It's time to unify and simplify the IT world. We are here to do that one podcast at a time. I'm Steve. I'm McKay. And welcome to the Interchange IT Podcast. ITAM and security. Tell us about it. Yeah, no, for sure. Because like, even when it comes to security, quite often they're always focused on, hey, I need to make sure everything that I have is patched, that it's running, that it has all the updates it needs, right? But from an ITAM perspective, we would always say, well, how can you patch? How can you make sure those things are secure if you don't even know you have them? Right. So quite often in an asset management perspective, the, the d- biggest difficulty is where are my assets today? What happened to the ones I just purchased? What happened to the ones that are supposed to be in use? What about the ones that are um, nearing expiration or if, I guess what they call that you uh, dispose of them? So nearing yeah. disposal. Mike. Again, just being aware of where are they? That's the biggest one question that customers always have and ask, and they, they actually do not know. Because a lot of times people are tracking. You're talking assets. software or hardware assets or hardware. both? Well, both actually. In the end, um, and so a lot of times they just don't know what they have. They don't know where they're at. So okay. uh, again, as most companies are globally distributed, you'll have multiple locations. You have different people that come and go. Right. right. So as me as an employee, I mean, I, I start work. I have my laptop. I have all the software I download. Um, and use, and hopefully it's not what they call shadow IT, where I'm just off doing willy-nilly and installing any software. But that's a, a very big problem that companies can't maintain or do so in a fashion that makes sure that they're not disrupting business. Got it. And so because of it, there's a lot of security holes. I mean, it, there's cus- people are always off doing their own things. So as we've looked at our customers and the different products that they have, the marriage between IT and, or I'm sorry, between security and ITAM is actually a really common one. Right, because uh, we found, and, and you probably agree with this, right? That our um, our uh, many of our customers are saying, "Look, the first step before I even get to a security product, I have to at least have some understanding of my assets." Mm-hmm. Because we've done research, right, that shows anywhere from like thirty to fifty percent of their assets, like people literally don't know where they are. Correct. They didn't even. Oh, they're like, "Oh crap, I have that many Salesforce licenses, yeah. or I have that many SAP right. licenses." Like they didn't even know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That is correct, and that's even. Um, when you talk about that, that's even those that are currently on the network. Yep. So they have no clue about those that are off the network, that are in the drawers, that are in storage oh, rooms, that are in somebody's home. I mean, again, they it's very So even the yeah. stuff that's on the network they don't know, but th- you're even forgetting like the random iPad that they right. gave somebody a year ago that's just in a drawer at the house mm-hmm. that somebody's kids play in a um, – What's the new game? It sounds the like you Fortnite. Know, like Fortnite. Yeah. yeah so Is my this son, at your house? my yeah. son, for the first time, I introduced him to Fortnite. He's eight or seven. He's seven. I should know my kid. He's seven. <laughs> but um, I introduced him to Fortnite, and he now, it's but it's good. Le- he's obsessed, but it's good leverage because I can just be like, hey, you don't get Fortnite until you practice piano. You've practiced basketball. <laughs> you've done your homework. Yeah, those parents. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to withhold. This, yeah, so I don't know if that's good parenting or not. But. No, hey, I'm, I'm there with you. But no, but you're, that's a good no point, though. So people, even the p- stuff that's on the network, we don't know, people don't mm-hmm. know a lot about, but especially the stuff that's not on the network, we have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. Makes a good makes a point. And so that's why it's a good, I mean, as you said, a good marriage between security. And ITAM, yeah. So this comes back to quite often how attackers, as they're talking about, exploit the, the holes or just where software isn't at the right patch level. Yeah. Um, so from again, if you look at it from an asset management perspective, you would hope that whenever these get released or these exploits happen, so WannaCry uh, that happened, 
that you'd be able to quickly be able to assess where am I at? Like what devices do I have? What's their current software state? And am, are I at the right patch level? If not, I need to quickly go and patch them. Yep. Those questions you, you think you should be able to answer? Companies can't. Well, so people think that we're like, it's like some, sl- so we talked a lot about in 20, what year are we in? 2018, Todd, about uh, unifying <laughs> IT. And I think people assumed that it's like, oh, it's a buzzword. It's like a phrase that you're using. It's a marketing slogan. It's like, no, actually, you literally can't do a good do- job with security unless you're doing ITAM. Mm-hmm. And you can't automate some of the fixes that you need to automate. You can't automate some of the identity processes you need to do to effectively mm-hmm. onboard and offboard people, which impacts ITAM and security unless you're using identity. Like, everything fits together, um, including service management, right? A lot of our automation is done with our service management tool. So, so it all fits together. And I think sometimes people are like, well, I need to fix my security problem. And that's all they focus on. And that's the wrong approach is what we're saying. It is. It is. And that's the, the reason for, I guess, us at Avanti, when we look at what we're trying to achieve and our vision, we really talk about the power of unified IT. Uh, what does that mean? Well, we understand that quite often organizations, they have these different teams and departments that work in silos. And because of working in silos, they don't aren't really helping each other to better provide the services, to provide the security, to provide really the value that organizations need to make sure that they are indeed competitive in their, their respective markets, right? And so when we talk about power of unified IT, we're talking about, hey, I need to be aware of what security is doing from, as again, for me, my, from an asset management perspective, or from a service management perspective, or from, as you brought up, identity, and so it's it's not anymore that organizations can can remain in these silos and be efficient, effective, productive, whatever term you want to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I love it. I mean, he just talking about identity there, and even the the play from a security perspective. And when we talk, we've been talking about patch and just being understanding what hardware and software you have. But let's go into another area of security and asset, and and where that kind of ties in. And you, you brought up identity. So me as a user, I am a product manager here at Avanti. I'm within the marketing department. I need to have access to certain subscriptions, to certain tools. Right. I have to have a certain you know, set of software applications that help me be efficient. Now, let's say I was to switch over into maybe a support role. Yeah. Uh, and, and those needs have since changed, but quite often in organizations, I still retain all the access that I currently have as a product a manager point. and switch over to support. And so I, I probably should not have access to as many things as I should have, no. or vice versa, or whatever that role change sure. might be. Even so, we all we often talk about leaving an organization and like permissions needing to change. Obviously, at that point, but it's within an organization as your role changes, you might need mm-hmm. less or more, fewer or more. Probably is the grammatically correct way to say it fewer yeah. or more or less or more you need a different number of permissions hey, there. there you go yeah. see what i did there did, uh, if you I'll don't know the correct you. way to say something you just don't say it you say something that's much easier so that's one of the most interesting things this is for both of you guys that i've learned about ransomware um in the last year or two is that it's it's kind of a weird mixture between trying to get money and trying to just disrupt Right. It's not as simple as just like we've all heard about these viruses, right, where Mm -hmm. it used to not be about money at all. It was just some men just want to watch the world burn type thing. But ransomware combines that with just people saying, I want to make money. Um, That's a Joker reference, by the way. Yeah. 
Um, Thanks for those of uh, for the eight people in the world who've never seen Batman. That's true. Um, I, I think that the the, the fact is um, there's lots of different motivations, right? Some people just want to take things down and they don't actually care about the Bitcoin. Um, other people, other people want their seventy k or their one hundred and twenty k. And is that the majority of us? Right, right, <laughs> right. No, give me the money. Right. So if you were a hacker, you would ask for money rather than just you know take down a network. Guilty confession. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. What would you do, uh, McKay? Oh, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. You have to. There, there has to be some sort of underlying cause why you do the second, right? And I think what that speaks to is. Um, Groups are starting to be more um, well, like political some of these, motivated. Some of these terror, yeah, political. These terrorist groups are are starting to be more savvy with what they can do in in via tech. And I think it's interesting as we've talked to Chris and other security experts. The thing that they always say is that the number one cause of this stuff is still user behavior. It's people mm-hmm. clicking on stuff they shouldn't click on, opening things they shouldn't open, and that is the number one cause of the um, security breaches that we've see, what we still see. Yeah. So you can have all the best software, you can have Avanti software, you can have every asset management tool we offer, and it's still, if there's poor user behavior, we can help you once there's a breach, but if people are going to click on crazy stuff... We, we, can't, mm-hmm. we can't hurt idiots. We can't help idiots. <laughs> yeah, we can hurt them. We can hurt them. Oh, we can hurt, we can hurt idiots. Well, like even in asset management, when we talk about what is asset management, and it's quite often the case, we were t- we would always communicate asset management is eighty percent process. Yeah. Process that's around. Hey, I need to make sure my employees are exhibiting the right behavior, as you said, and if not, there has to be consequences of that behavior if they go about installing software that they shouldn't, yeah. or again getting some. I mean, plugging in, bringing um, their own personal devices to work, uh, whatever that might be. That's all about process. It's what are the behaviors that I want my users to, 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 to exhibit and to do to make sure I'm in a secure environment, to make sure I'm aware of what's going on, to make sure that I have an, uh, an awareness of all the assets that are, are going, again, that I have. So whether that's hardware, whether that's software, whether that's access to data, whether that's... Yeah, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it comes down to really, as you said, behavior and good process around it. Good point. So, um, good. I, so can we I, did- I, I do want to shout out to Adam Howard. Yeah, shout out to Adam Howard. Yeah, he's he's making tons of comments. Good job, Adam Howard. On, on YouTube with us, so he's we met there. him in Dallas. He's yeah. awesome. Nice. Um, so I just got a new TV. Oh, I just uh, got a 4K, a 4K. Yeah, 4K oh. HDR. And uh, someone told me one time that the killer app, like, do you remember in the '90s how you watch Beyond the Mind's Eye? Those like crazy computer. Right. Yeah, yeah. The new Beyond the Mind's Eye that shows what a. Uh, uh, a 4K TV can do is Planet Earth 2. Oh, yeah. Wow. Because it's so detailed in the way they shot it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the colors. and You've been spending some time then? Oh, Lots Planet Earth 2 and I, time. yeah, watching lizards <laughs> run from, iguanas run from snakes. That's awesome. Interesting, as we're learning about the CIS framework, you look at the top two on this, and again, they tie into asset management. Back to, mm-hmm. well, I need to make sure that my hardware is patched, well, one, to even begin with, I need to understand what I have, so both hardware and software. And then the, what is the patch level? Am I fully updated? Am I using the latest devices? Things like that. There's a lot of companies out there that use old software. I mean, a lot of times, like with POS, there's a company I just visited a while back, and they were running um, XP for their POS systems. 
So you think about XP. I mean, that's been some yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're talking about migrating to Windows 2007. So we're already on Windows 10 right. and so forth. But the, the next best thing for them is actually to move to Windows 7. See, and I remember from financial services being at, at, at Fidelity, for example, they, their backups were still on tape-to-tape, real-to-real tape. Yeah. Real, real tape. Yeah. And um, you'd sit there, and they had a really nice interface for their agents to work. And you place all the trades in this. But it was really just a, a you know, it was, it was a, a facade because underneath you were dealing with real like DOS prompt stuff because <laughs> they didn't want to migrate to something. Yeah. And I think this highlights a, a part of it the is. difficulties with migration. But when you're talking about a company that has $1.5 trillion under management, if they lose 1% of their data, yeah. do the math on that one. Think of all the customers that would be upset by that. I mean, isn't that the how many billions? billions? of yeah, dollars. how many billions is right? it? Yeah. Would that be what a hundred billion? I, I'm not a man. Ten billion, something yeah. around there. A, a one billion. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a lot of money. That's just yeah. gone, and that's just if they lose one percent, or if they lose. I mean, you think about it, half a percent of data, not that big a deal, generally speaking. So what you find is, and I've worked for several financial services companies, it didn't matter which mm-hmm. one, they all did the same thing. They layered oh, UIs really? over oh, the top gosh. of. This old yeah. underlying software that is still held together with like duct tape and bailing wire, but yeah. it keeps going. That's because they can't take the time to, again, if they were to switch over, as you mentioned, I mean, being able to make sure that data is accurate, that it's been tra- fully trans- transitioned over to the new system. Right. Um, I mean, just the amount of disruption that that would cause their business and downtime. And, and, I mean, and when you're talking in a 24-hour economy now. It's a high risk. Where yeah. trades are international, trades are happening all the time. Let's just even say that you're able to take, and, and these are companies who make money from trading. Mm-hmm. If you have it down for five minutes. All the money that you've lost. Think of the millions yep. of dollars that are lost. Probably even more. Yeah. Right? Um, just down for five minutes. Yeah. Well, that's it's it's hard, especially when you see uh, even companies like Azure or Microsoft with their Azure service, uh, Amazon with AWS. Right. I mean, this past year, both companies had big major areas, just, um, I guess, what would you call it? I mean, the downtime that they had. So there was something that occurred, whether in the data center or not, and it just caused a lot of their services to be down. Like for us, we were affected by that for a full day. Um, from the, the Azure services that we we're running. That caused, right. our, I mean, our development teams to not be able to work like they should because that's mm-hmm. what they were, the products they were using. Same thing for Amazon over on the east coast of the U.S. They had a, a big power outage or uh, outage of services there. We were talking about these these updates, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the, the internet went down for, what, half a day a year ago and people still talk about it. Mm-hmm. I was even talking about it. I yeah, brought it up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so I, like, I remember geez. when that I could I can tell you where I was. <laughs> right. And the company I was working for at the time fortunately didn't have anything on AWS, but there's a domino effect mm-hmm. of that. And um It caused, I mean, just think about to what you're mentioning, the amount of money and productivity uh disruption that it caused. Yeah. There's a million I mean Probably even trill. I would imagine trillions of dollars that are lost from it. I mean, that's a big way out there. But as you mentioned, with all the companies are, that are yep. affected by it. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about when Amazon went down. Yeah, yeah the AWS down. when that went down. That's crazy. And it wasn't someone added like a comma somewhere <laughs> wrong on oh, the code. Sure. It was something something minor like that that turned out to be major. Yeah. yeah. Hey Todd, walk us through because we have a number of ITAM products on the website, right? Um, and they all and they're all related and they all do. S- 
you know, somewhat Something. different thing. Yeah. <laughs> but walk us through kind of the, the different ITAM products we have and, and what they do. Because as he's sitting here talking about patching software, right, we obviously have a software asset management product, but we also do hardware asset management. Talk us through the specific names of the products and what those things do. Yeah, so really there's two products that are part of the IT asset management suite and offering that we have here at Avanti. Yep. So as you mentioned, there's Asset Manager. That deals more with the lifecycle management tracking of your assets, and it actually can be more than just hardware. So when I talk about that, it's like right when you purchase an asset, so or I maybe should even bring up a question for you. What? Yes. Yeah, you got to watch out on this one. When do you think an act- an asset actually becomes an asset for a company? Oh gosh, um, I don't know. The day they buy it. Correct. So I mean, yes, it, yes, I got it you right. got it. Woohoo! No, so quite easy, right? But qu- that's also very hard for many companies to track. So again, without maybe the right processes or procedures in place. Um, they're not able to make sure, okay, this individual purchased this asset on this date. I can actually track it back to either the invoice or the purchase order number. That shows proof of purchase that this company actually owns this asset. And so in asset management, we talk about assets from, I mean, cradle to grave is another term that's mentioned, or from purchase to disposal. And that's really what this product is all about. Help me understand when I have purchased assets that I can actually track who they were purchased from, who purchased them, what was their price, when were they purchased, when were they shipped, when were they received at any of my locations within my organization, how long have they been sitting in what they call either a uh, storage room, a locker, a shelf, off, off, um, wherever it might yeah. be. It's it not being used. Mm-hmm. And that's actually quite often where a lot of assets get stolen. So again, back to the security perspective. Uh, if you're not tracking and aware of where those products are, those assets are at, at any time, they're always open. You're increasing the risk of losing them, of being stolen, of whatever that might be. Okay. Well, and that, yeah. <clears throat> some of those stored assets that you're talking about, again, financial services, and I speak about that because it's my background. background, yeah. You have to, after you decommission a computer, the SEC mandates that you keep hold on to that for like seven years. Sheesh. No, that makes sense, though, because back to it, you had that financial data on it right. and everything. Or you have to, I would imagine, also make sure that it's been disposed of with the right company that has the certificates and the training and whatever it might be right. to actually to, to take care of it's those ex- assets. Ex- so you get a new computer. It's great. That's another big headache for IT. Okay, number one, where mm-hmm. do you store these things? But number two, are they there? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And the SEC could show up at any time and say... Show where we wear like at. the FBI yeah. too. Was that? Did they wear windbreakers like the FBI too? In no, they wore trench coats. Oh, oh wow! And then that's so again. That's that's actually a big problem that a lot of companies have today. Again, I've already talked about oh, that's asset manager. Asset manager. Okay. So back to the, the quite often the, the questions that companies have, and I've already brought up a, a couple of them. It's like, what do I have? Where are they at? Where are they located? Who are they assigned to? Who's uh, financially responsible for them? All those answers, if you will, are provided in the asset manager product. Okay. On the service, ma- or sorry, license optimizer side, so now you're looking at software asset management, it comes down to a lot of what Chris is talking about. How do I know what software is actually installed in my environment? Okay. Can I even discover that? Can I understand what level of patch is on that, meaning is it the most up-to-date? So um, our, our license optimizer product will show you if the most updated patches have been deployed. 
it will show you how many licenses you it have. Will, yeah, it will show you the licenses. I mean, from an asset management perspective, we only go through, we, we do discover what the latest version okay. is. But we don't do anything with patching. That's the, that's security, the security products. Side. That's what Chris. So that's does. why we're talking about unified yeah. IT. You've really got to have a full scope to have a full scope of the health, if you will, of your mm-hmm. software environment. You've got to have. You can't just focus on one of these sort of pill. <coughs> excuse me, pillars of IT, mm-hmm. and and that's really important. It is, and that's so. Even the like so. My background here at Avanti has been in asset management. My next role and responsibility has been. Um, so I'm working on what we call one of our platform teams, but more fully focused on that unified IT story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because of my experience with data, managing it, where how do you get access to it? How do you um, start to reconcile different data sources together? How do you make sure you have that clean data set for all of other Avanti products? <clears throat> so I deal quite heavily in discovered data. What data can we actually discover, whether it's through discovery tools that are on the network, like network discovery tools, so like our EPM or Endpoint Manager product, or even how do I start to get data from uh, other vendors? So back to that procurement type data. So whether it's CDW, SHI, Insight, wherever you purchase your software, I need to be able to get that data too for our products and for our teams. Um, what other sources like Active Directory, so your user data, your organizational units, all that data is important to help unify IT, to make sure, okay, for these users as we're listening to, to, to Chris, here's the devices that, is, that have been found in your environment. Here's the software. Here's the patch level. Here's the users that actually they're associated with or the owners of them. Okay. So that, that, How do you determine owner? Uh, is it um, – can the entity that is managing that – so so is, can our client determine who the owner is or how do we – how does our software know who the owner is? Maybe yeah. Maybe the easiest way to ask the question. The, the, there's two ways to do it. I mean, not ways to do it, but I mean two pieces of information that are important to truly identify that. First and foremost, it's usually within an asset management product that you once placed that purchase yeah. order. Who was it for? So you have the, the financial owner, but then you also have the assigned user or actual person using the, 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 the hardware or software. Yeah. That actually happens within asset manager or an asset management product is that you will have, here's my owner of this device. From a discovery perspective, we can only determine who's logging into that machine. Got it. So it may not ever be the person that's supposed to. But again, that actually opens up another security hole or risk. Is there a user in your organization that's logging in and using a device that they shouldn't be? That's interesting. And that's a huge, to talk about the marriage between ITAM and security, that is priority one for if, you're, if you care about security at all is knowing who's using what. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you see those aligning more, like ITAM and security kind of melding together more along with all, you know, UEM and identity? Not just here, but just generally speaking. Is it going to become more of the same thing and impossible to separate out? Yeah. I mean, whether you look at what we're doing here at Avanti or to bring up even competitors, that is the direction that a lot are going. Um, from this unified IT strategy and platform that I've talked about, we do see security as being one of the top products being delivered from the same platform. So I'm helping deliver the discovery and inventory aspect of it, how we get data. From there, we're going to start layering in all of these different, uh, I guess, use cases, solutions, as you've talked about, security being one of those. Cool. That's awesome. So uh, that's, that's kind of a cool subject. We're doing more and more with AI automations becoming a bigger part of what we're doing. We've, we announced a couple products at Interchange Dallas um, in May and, and then in Madrid in June that um, 
use a lot of that stuff. We mm-hmm. talked about Avanti Pulse. There's a couple of others. Smart advisors. Yeah, what are, yep. talk about those kind of new cool products. And then I want to change subjects entirely and talk about something non-IT for a second before oh, we, no. before we hustle, turn it Hustle, hustle, hustle. Go fast. Yeah, give us you some wanna, new products. You want to see the little bar? Okay, okay. Yeah, so no. Yeah, there you go. So actually, those are the, the two first things that we have available on, again, this unified IT platform that we have. Uh, smart advisors, that deals directly with the artificial intelligence and machine learning. Okay. So traditional client management products have been uh, are, have been delivered in an on-prem fashion. So there is just, yep. hey, I only have access to my data as a customer, and that's only me that, ha- that can see it. So we as Avanti, as a, a service provider in, in developing these products, we actually ha- don't have that data. We did not, we don't know what's going on. We, the best we can always do is work with our customers to understand what they have. We'd have to request, okay, can we get it's access like to your environment? It's not like we've stored it, right? Yeah. Let's just talk about security. Yeah, yeah. And so for this platform, again, as I've talked about, we're talking about gathering all this data, and we have quite a few customers already giving us data about their client and management system. I mean, their, their network environment. Yep. And so with that, now we're able to start looking across all of our customers and seeing what is occurring. Uh, what products, so here's maybe a, talking about what Chris was just taught, uh, brought up. How do I know if I need to reimage or replace one of my assets? I mean, is it providing too much of a security risk because it's old, outdated? Um, does it have the latest patches? But I mean, if I try to update it, can it even support those updates, yeah. especially from like an operating system capacity? Does it have enough of the hardware? Does it have enough of, of, of the I guess back to like the, the RAM. Um, and so this new, what we call smart advisor is, is going to help our customers understand, Hey, by giving us your data, we're going to help you decide these are the, the assets. These are the devices that you need to go through and replace. You need to purchase new assets to be most efficient and most effective. Or these are ones that you actually are just fine to re-image. So it'll actually help you make decisions rather than just give you yep. data. So smart advisor is all about action ball actionable insights. Say that 10 times. Guys. I know. Exactly. Okay, so that's Smart Advisor. Smart one Advisor other time. is very one other cool. time, actionable insights. And then Pulse. Pulse was the product that when it was showed at Interchange. Yeah. It was <laughs> literally like innovation. an Apple launch. Is that what it was? Well, it was crazy. It yeah. was like an Apple launch where like if you watch those first videos of Steve Jobs up there with the iPhone and he shows the touchscreen capability for the first time in 07 and everybody's just like, oh my gosh, what's yeah, going exactly. on? Yeah. It, that's it's how it awesome. felt with Pulse. Yeah. So what is Pulse? What does Pulse do? So the quick... I guess phrase of saying it is real time querying. So you can actually ask your data questions. Correct. And it's not even your data, it's your devices themselves. So Pulse, I mean, when we have, again, our software in the environment, it doesn't matter if it's within a network, off the network, as long as it has internet connection, you can ask a question of this device. So back to WannaCry. It, it, that one took advantage of a, a, a lack. Um, oh, goodness. Who did some it? software who did exactly. it? Who did it? Who done it? So uh, it's the shadow. I wanted you to say the shadow brokers. Oh dang it! Yeah, the shadow brokers. Shadow bro- but yeah, the so they did it broker. on devices that were not up to date. Right? They didn't have the latest <laughs> patching. So what Pulse would have been able to do is, hey, show me devices that don't have or that that have either this patch level or that don't match this criteria. And in a few seconds, it's able to give you back the answer and saying, here's all the devices that matched your query. That's so basically, awesome. you can say. Wow, I can quickly go through and now know what I need to go and patch just to make sure I'm not affected by WannaCry. That's awesome. I love that. And when we showed that at Interchange, and by we, I mean not me. We were um, there. Yeah. We, I was hey, physically part there. Of it, right? um, there were oohs and ahs and gasps from the crowd. So it, it's cool. Okay, so here's one thing I want to talk about. Um, so Netflix, 
You guys ever watch Black Mirror on Netflix? Yeah. I, yeah. I've not seen mm, that show. I've not seen it's it. It's terrifying. I, I've heard that, but I've never seen it. Yeah. So what they're doing, and rumor is they're going to do this with a couple of more shows. Sorry, these headphones are ruined enough for your ears. Yeah. Hair. In fairness, I did say you should bring in your You own did. You, you did like. say that, yeah. and I didn't. Um, but anyway, long story short, Netflix is now going to offer with Black Mirror, choose your own adventure on the show. Oh, Now, wow. this is cool because think about the application. You couldn't do that with regular TV, but with streaming... You could literally create a movie or a series, or a mini series, an eight episode show, and create different paths depending on what you want to do. Well, here's the thing, though. That is well, awesome. The question well, is, what of, would you choose? The, the, well, the thing is, the thing is, one of the things that's been fun after The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or whatever is the cooler talk, right? I worked at a place where we actually had a standing meeting on Mondays where we had a conference room and everybody who watched Game of Thrones would go into the conference room <laughs> and we had it booked out. You would actually like, <laughs> just talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah, it was. I think it was labeled a sales ops meeting or something. But <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to question it. <laughs> right, like, oh, oh, well, I'm not going to. Also, plus that's a boring enough title. No yeah, one's going to just bingo. wander in. So we'd go in there and we'd, we'd talk about it. And it was, it was great. I wonder, though, with the Choose Your Own Adventure stuff, if that just will like you won't do that because I can't I can say like in season in in the pilot episode of Oz, of Ozarks yeah that was mind blowing I could say did you see Black Mirror last night it blew my mind well, and you're like about, no it was no, the most boring episode ever <laughs> well so here's the pros and the cons to this right? right so the pros are think about the cool things you can do so like application so I I used to watch Walking Dead and then it got boring. So what if there was an option that when your show starts to get boring, you and they kind of can, and they they track this stuff right? They know when people are dropping mm-hmm. off. Again, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, there you go. They vote people <laughs> off. So you could Walking Dead after season three when it's like okay, just find a cure or everyone die. Like I don't want to watch this anymore. They could either you could choose your own ending. Like okay, the find a cure ending, and there's six episodes where they find the cure. Well, it's gotten just you know it's gotten good again. Has it? Oh, I don't you're back it. into it then, huh? Oh, I'd never left. Oh, so oh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not what I call a fair weather fans. <laughs> I don't know. Sad to say, I've never watched it. Walking Dead. You should yeah, watch it. <laughs> so the first the first three seasons, I think, are as, as about as good as TV gets. Like it's really good. Or or imagine Breaking Bad. If Walt, oh. when he sells meth for the first time, he just freaks out and then goes back to being a school teacher. And then just dies of lung cancer. <laughs> and dies of lung cancer six <laughs> months later. That would be great. Sounds or, like some new uh, age soap opera on that but one. He, I, I wonder, though, if they're going to have to be superficial in the choices they make. Because if you look at it, there's that the one episode uh, in Breaking Bad, for example, when they're selling meth and they're in the, the place with the, the storage containers, right? It's the first time. I remember that, this, yes. Yeah, right? Jesse Pinkman was supposed to die in that episode. But he was so good, they kept him, right? They kept him. Yeah. So that just, you can't you have... You could let him die on that one. You, you, that would dramatically alter the whole show. So are the... Are That's the, what I wonder on this one. Are they going to be like superficial changes? Like, does he put on the pink shirt or the blue shirt? <laughs> so here's here's the way they're going to approach it for Black. And I've never watched I an episode of Black Mirror. I getting into that one, actually. Now you're talking about it. Hey, I want to do my own advertising in this. Yeah. Does he put on Nikes or Reeboks? <laughs> so the, Netflix is developing a slate of specials that will let viewers choose the next storyline in a TV episode or movie. According to people familiar with the matter, the company expects to release the first of these projects before the end of the year. 
Um, viewers will get to choose their own storyline in one episode. So they're not doing it okay. across multiple. I was going to say, like, if you keep giving them options, my goodness, on how many variations you're going to have to provide on that. Yeah, viewers will get to choose their own storylines in one episode of the upcoming season of Black Mirror. Show's famous for exploring the social implications of technology, etc. Well, do you know the concept of the, the title Black Mirror? No, I don't. So what is it about? A device. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Black Mirror. I like Here's that. your your black mirror. The idea yeah. is is everybody it's, has them. Yeah, everybody's got their black mirror, and it's uh, it's essentially technology run amok. Um, how do you spell amok? A M O K. Wait, is that right. real? I think that's right. Wow, I would have said something different. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> it's it's. I, I tell people, uh, and this is my recommendation to you. Oh, skip episode you didn't know one. You were gonna get advice. Here, you skip episode one. Yeah. one. Why? Is it disturbing? Worth it? It's graphic. So incredibly distastefully disturbing. Oh, seems like it's right Could up my give a little alley. Bit more? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Like I tell people, like I recommend it to my mom. I'm like, don't watch episode one. Right. Like, and, and people who have seen episode one, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't so watch like with it. Ozark, <laughs> my wife watched season one with me. More disturbing. It's more. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But like, my wife watched season one with me, and she's like, mm-hmm. it's pretty dark. Then season two happened, and she's like, yep, not into this at all because it was just like. Dark. No, this is an anthology series, so not jumps around. Right? Every every episode is, is individual. So this is interesting. So they're not doing it from episode to episode, at least right now. To start with, they're going to do within an episode. How do you want it to go? Right. Can you um, ever go back? So if you choose something know, that you don't, don't like, can you ever actually rewind? Yeah. And watch the other track. Yeah. There's there's uh there is and what's scary is you're starting to see with a couple of the episodes, um, those concepts actually happening in real life. For example. There's an episode in which how you're treated and and how things ha- you know ha- how the economy works is based off of your social media score. Oh, no. right. Think like your cloud yeah. score. Yeah. Right. So uh, you can get upgraded on a flight if your score is so sure. high. People invite people to their weddings that only have certain scores. Certain scores. People invite people to weddings. Um, uh, to Just up. based on their certain, like, I wouldn't Instagram be invited followers. at all. I don't right. do anything social. Todd, so, Todd would not no. be invited, even to his own wedding. I so wouldn't. Weird. Yeah. In fact, it was just a kind of a you know had to be there kind of thing. But people upload videos of someone doing something horrible, and their score will go down. Or rescuing a puppy, and their score goes up. Um, and if you go get coffee, and and the barista is really polite, you'll. Give them a couple likes. This is on the show. <laughs> on the show. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing this. Yeah, you're seeing this in, in China, for example. Yeah. China's using it. Um, you know, so which one get, came first? Black Mirror. Hmm. It's, it's only in the last few months. So I've heard, I've heard, I've read similar things to this in context of airlines specifically where, um, well, let's think about health insurance, right? Like you can actually get, depending on the company and the carrier you have or whatever, you can get lower yeah. health insurance premiums based on how, how you healthy you are, and, yeah. how you live. Yeah. And so I guarantee you, and I've, I've read this, right, that airlines are considering, some of them anyway, that you would have um, an easier time getting a seat on an airplane if you were an influencer in social media, for example, because they want you to travel and they want you to post pictures about your experience on the airline, Wouldn't right? they be afraid of those same people? Talking about bad experiences, I guess that's quite a pressure on the airline, right? But, but I could see that I could totally see that being baked into a pricey. lot of things in thirty yeah. years. Well, I was I was on a flight uh, when I went and visited Flightcast. I was on uh, I was out running uh, Hurricane Florence, and I was wow. tweeting about it. 
right? And Delta was right there tweeting back and forth. And yeah, they're I, not they're not screwing around with social like no, no, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you're being tracked. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Whether you like it or not? Absolutely. Uh, Urban Outfitters. I saw this news article. Urban Outfitters, their hot new costume for this year, because this is October, Halloween, is uh, the costume is called The Influencer. Hmm. And you pay like 60 bucks, and it's a women's costume. You get a sports bra and leggings because you're an Instagram influencer. <laughs> and the joke was like how, how Instagram-y yeah. and influencer-y is this, that you'd pay 60 bucks for a costume of stuff that most people or most already women have. already have. <laughs> Sadly, I'm sure they'd get a lot of sales on it. If yeah. it was an actual, is this real? I yeah, that's, yeah, that's absolutely so I real. Bet you, absolutely <laughs> I bet real. you want to see what, the, what money they're making from it. Yeah. The Interchange IT Podcast is brought to you by Avanti, a software company that helps you succeed in every aspect of your job including operational IT security, asset management, service management, and supply chain management. Find out more at Avanti.com.